This will be the our final episode of, of 2020 for Pulp Revelators. And it's been a bizarre year. So we thought we would uh, do what nobody else wants to do, look back on the year that was 2020. <laughs> Except Gary, he may run at any time. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, there's been a ton of things that have gone on. Um, going around the screen, we've got Tim and... Brooks and Mark and Zach and Gary and Miss Sally from Romper Room. And uh, we're ready to roll here. So um, you, you can't look back on pop culture for the year and not f start with the fact that no one's been in movie theaters or been at concerts. I mean, that's, that's been the, the, the big, you know, we, we've had a year that was supposed to be, I think maybe two to three Marvel movies were supposed to come out. None have, you know, we've got, um, you know, concert venues empty. We've got sports, you know, venues empty. We've got, um, it's been an odd year. And so everybody's been at home. Um, Toilet paper so, shelves empty. Right. So I guess we, you know, if you, if we want to start roller off, skating rinks empty. What'd you say? Did you just say roller skating rinks empty? I did. Yeah, I said roller skating <laughs> rinks were empty because, uh, you know, that's a big part of Corona. They've been reporting it all year, the poor roller skating rinks. There is Sorry, Mike. Go, Mike. Mike, just ignore us. Go ahead. Well, you, you can't social distance in a roller derby. You know, that's just that's a right. thing. <laughs> I said toilet paper. Just get the toilet. Wow, anyway. Is so, Zach, I said toilet paper shelves. So, mm. so you know, it's similar. That's, two, that's kind of the same concept. <laughs> So we went out and go around the screen and, uh, you know, you know, uh, say 2020 in terms of pop culture, Gary, what's, what's a, one of the first things that pops in your mind or something that, that seems like a big deal to you? Almost full stop. Oh, word association. Um, no, for a while there it was, cause even with comics, it was like, you know, it, it was like a full stop almost. And yeah. there was some substitute stuff thrown in there, but, um, one of the things that pops out to me and um it uh I really like Robert Kirkman. Um I don't think I've read anything by him that I've disliked. Uh, I mean, he did The Walking Dead. I know he came to Marvel for a little bit there in the early um right after Walking Dead um in the early 2000s and some of the stuff was good and some of it didn't take off. Um I would love to see him come back to Marvel and write something, but one of the things that he released this year uh, was firepower and it started as a graphic novel um and the graphic novel is basically like mystic kung fu like what we were talking about we all want to see iron fist be mm -hmm. and um it was very similar to that you know himalayan monastery all this and then the series picks up and it's like modern times and it, it's uh it's really good there's a lot of like he does characterization incredibly well. Um, if you, if any of you read The Walking Dead, like the one thing he did really well is he made you attach to characters a lot, and then they would get eaten the next issue, but still he would you would get attached to them. Um, and 
So he, and he had written a superhero book a few years ago called Invincible that I loved. And I didn't really put my finger on it until Jordan White, um, the editor of the current X books, uh, talked about it. And he said, firepower kind of fills that void left by Invincible, that Invincible is going to be an Amazon animated TV show soon. And um, it does. It has that same type of you get attached to the character. So that was a huge thing comic wise for me for 2020 because um, I remember just reading the graphic novel on a kind of lark just because it was Kirkman. And I was just like immediately uh, called Dante at the shop and was like, put it in my pool box. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it became one of those really good series. And there's, I mean, there's a bunch of comics that I'll talk about, but I've heard you guys talk about some of the ones that mm-hmm. I also want to discuss and I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. So comic wise, I would say that uh, TV show, it, uh, man, we already did a whole episode on it, but the Mandalorian was huge. Uh, I mean, the second season of the Mandalorian for me was probably the highlight of TV. I mean, there's been a few other good shows and shows I want to watch, but uh, the Mandalorian pop culture wise. Oh, and Shit's Creek. That, that was a really good show that finished this year in 2020. Um, probably two of the best shows on TV this year. Nice. All right, Zach, 2020 and pop culture for you. What do you got? Not a lot. I mean, I did. I don't think I read any new comics this year. Like this was kind of a dry year for comics with me. Um, uh, Mandalorian was like me and I went over a lot of older stuff. Like I watched most of Community this year, um, which ended years ago. I think we've gone through the office about 17 times during quarantine, um, which it's a sad day because tomorrow is the last day it's going to be on Netflix. And we've got a daughter is bummed. Yeah. Both my teenage girls quote the office frontwards and backwards, and it's a super sad day for them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did, I, I played a lot of video games more than I have. In previous years so a lot of it was older stuff though played the new jedi fallen order um which ties in really nice to the to the clone wars and how they're it's apparently canon as well which is nice um probably one of the better better games i've played in a long time it definitely has an old school feel to it um where it's actually challenging and you have to solve puzzles and think um and it just got a thumbs up from brooks when you yeah. mentioned it so so, um, I think that's that's super valid too. I think I, I remember talking to Gary um, and others when comic book stores closed down, right? And and comic distribution stopped for a time. It's like, all right, I didn't. I found I didn't really miss the new stuff coming out if I was going back and reading the older stuff. You yeah. know, the stuff that I really wanted to read but but hadn't made time for. So I might have and see everything's blending together because I did buy some stuff during quarantine from Third Eye. So it might have been Death Metal. I might have read that this year, but that might have been because I was at my apartment. So I don't you had know. the battle wagon deliver it, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> awesome. so. I remember sitting in my apartment. There was a breeze blowing. <laughs> yeah. I was reading something. But 2020 is just one giant 
dumpster fire to me. It's just all blended yeah. together. That's what it is. So early in quarantine, a, a, a coworker termed the day blurs day uh, for me. And that's kind of been the, you know, one big blurs day ever since. Yep. That's about right. All right. Two jokers, you know, just your, your, their, your first thoughts on uh, 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's a top. I, mean, I think you guys all know I work in the music business. So I got to give a shout out to, you know, all the venues that, you know, I mean, it, you, know, you know, everyone talks about all the things that were shut down and rightfully so, and everybody's hurting and I get it. And, but I mean, we, we didn't have a show since March. Um, and that, that's every concert venue. And it's been a brutal, brutal year. And, you know, so as much as anyone can, you know, think and pray for those guys. I mean, there's, a, you know, a lot of people in our company were furloughed and a lot of people across the board and 2021 is going to be better. Uh, I feel pretty confident about that. I think we're, you know, to me, when I think about 2020 and pop culture, particularly when you use the term pop culture, I just go immediately to Tiger King. You know, we were talking about it. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anything defines the year, you know, just the dumpster fire, you know, of the year. And that time, I think everyone remembers when the whole world shut down with COVID and you were trapped in your house and your apartment and, everything and that you know was the thing you talked about you know i mean there was you were off <laughs> school you're off work you're off whatever looking at each other trying to figure out what was going on and then all of a sudden this show came on that everybody started talking about on social medias and it was this phenomenon for better or for worse <laughs> you know what it says about our society i don't know but it definitely caught everyone's attention i don't I, to me 2020 is inseparable from tiger king it does you know as a starting point for sure it was literally, it was go to your room and here's your punishment, Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, and I watched it and it was, you know, it was a guilty pleasure for sure. And it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, but I, I don't, I think just as a start of the year and when you, when I look back on 2020, I think that's one of the first things that we'll all look back and when they do the 20 year, you know, uh, synopsis of this on VH1 that's definitely going to be something probably one of the first things they talk about with the Mandalorian maybe being a close second you're right Brooks how about you um anything you want to talk about what do you what do you remember from this year a lot of game stuff really um which games Animal Crossing at the start of the year was really big. Um, my little sister really loves Animal Crossing <laughs> and has been and plays it a lot, and she just loves playing it. And of course, the PS5 and the Xbox came out. And what were your what were your other favorite games? Oh right, the um, news. Spider-Man game came out, and I love that series of games. And I, I love um, Miles Morales. I've, I've I've always liked Miles Morales. I don't know why, but he's always been a cool character to me. And I was super excited when they announced the game. And it lived up to expectations, right? I mean, it's a great game. It, it's a lot of fun. And there was also some controversy in video games this year. That whole Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. You know, totally like they blew that launch. I mean, Sony's actually refunding people who bought the game. Yeah, is, that's it's like one of the first times that Sony's taken a game off of their store. Yeah, it was so buggy when they launched it, and they're actually refunding, which I think is kind of unheard of. Yeah, um, 
so like the yeah there's a whole own little world i mean ps5 obviously was a huge you know and the xbox was a huge story this year in video games but it definitely was i think a big video game year oh i forgot about among us completely among us yeah that's a big that's a big game and fall guys was there for like a week fall guys was popular yeah, for like my daughter's years. among us was big for especially my 15 year old has loved among us yeah that's what you guys went for is halloween right <laughs> yeah mom yeah, my 16 year old and her friends really played that a lot this year it's but a it's fun a perfect game. year i mean if you if you think about like you know if you told me at this time last year to get ready for 2020 you're going to be in your house all the time i mean like zoom i had never been on prior to 2020 um you know, gaming, obviously huge, all the things that you streaming, all the things that, you know, that have become commonplace weren't so much, you know, at the beginning of the year. Well, I just think like, you know, I mean, in our, in our business, like we used to take, you know, we'd fly out to different cities to go have meetings and stuff like that with, with other, with people. And I'm like, it's so much easier on zoom. And there's certain things that you learn this year that you're like, wow, technology, you know, we, we were never using as much as we could have. Cause right. Um, you know, the, so there is kind of silver linings in the year as well. I mean, it, you know, I, I doubt we'll be taking those trips ever again when we can just all meet on Zoom. It's silly, you know. Well, I also like that. Um, and it's off topic, but with Zoom is, um, you know, it used to be when you had um, conference calls and all, if your dog barked in the background, you're like, oh my gosh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Now <laughs> people are like, during Zoom meetings all the other day, like, you know, you couldn't see the person, but someone was talking and all you heard was, <laughs> <laughs> like the entire time and finally somebody was like is that a dog and the, the, the person i was on the phone with was like oh my dog's afraid of thunderstorms and it's like you can just hear the dog panting the entire time and you know it's just like oh okay where back in the day it was like oh my gosh you know my my boss is talking to me and all of a sudden you hear somebody coming in the background he's like and it's just like it's that's now acceptable yeah. Yeah. And why wasn't it to begin with? Right. I mean, it's exactly. all like, there's, there's all those things that, you know, definitely silver linings that once, you know, so hopefully the world gets back to normal, we keep. Right. Exactly. So Brooks, I have a question for you because um, so many people I've talked to, it's been different. How did you feel about school shutting down? Um, well, I kind of, I didn't really care that much. Did you, did you like yes. it? Did you like it better? Do you like it better being at school or at home? Uh, I like it be better being at school, but I mean, I was oh, fine man. staying at home. Yeah, that surprised me. They were all they all wanted to go back to school, which I, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, the opposite I, of me. I I would have been like Cartman. Man, I didn't want to go to school. I would have wanted to stay home. That's what I said. I mean, you know, I, you know, but I guess I, I, that's the way I felt. I was like, man, when we were kids, you know, Mike, I'm sure you agree too. I mean, I, I would have been taken being at home, but yeah, for how long? Because, you know, like, you know, we, we were always, you know, a week or two max, you know, snow days or when you remember the ice, the, the ice storm of like ice storm. 90, what, 95. Yeah, that sounds right. I was in college. Two weeks. And, I rotated with my friends because initially I lived out in the, in the country. We didn't have power. So I lived with my friends in Easton for like a week. Yeah. And the day my power turned back on, I went home and the, ta- the whole town lost its power grid for like a day and a half. So my friends came and stayed with me and we just chased each other around for two weeks. Man, we were so ready to get back to school. Yeah. 
And if you multiply that times, you know, make that three months instead of two weeks, that that's kind of what you guys were feeling. You really were looking forward to going back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and I think we've probably had our last snow day, right? Because now kids will just be a virtual. Day. Yeah. Yep. There, there's another thing that they figured out, right? I don't think they figured that out at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think distance learning schooling has been figured out at all. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I guess it's my natural proclivity to uh, be a hermit that I was always surprised with that. Is like, I, I could have, like, you could put me in a room with some books and I'd be like, socialization, what's that? Who cares? But um, my hermit status is going to platinum this year for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to me. I mean, I, I guess like every once in a while I want to put peek out and be like, oh, hey, good to see you now. I'm going back to my room. But um, so that, that was, that was, what was kind of interesting with me is like uh, my daughters are the same way. Um, well, especially my one that was a senior. I mean, they really kind of got robbed because yeah. the spring they lost a lot of their uh, kind of those rite of passage things that you would go through springtime as a senior. But yeah, yeah. That, that was, so that was interesting, Brooke. I was just curious about your take on that. I think you would. Is it safe to say you would have been more inclined to stay home if it wasn't for your six-year-old sister? <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking in your room and bugging you? <laughs> maybe yeah maybe i think that's right all right carol baskins how about you for uh first things on pop culture man my first take on it was uh i didn't feel like it was that bad i, I feel like i was robbed of some progression of things i was looking forward to what marvel had coming out particularly in the mm-hmm. fall with you know um wandavision and and the winter soldier and, and the falcon and i kind of robbed of that but i mean we still had mandalore and i was constantly watching the the news releases by disney of like where are we at on things and they they tried really hard to they have things they need to make money on they've invested you know millions of dollars in certain things so i understand why certain things have been pushed back but they still gave us quite a bit of product i mean disney plus Mm -hmm. launched what about a year and three months ago Mm -hmm. and it launched in november of last year so i mean they they gave us a lot of material and Netflix and Amazon gave us a lot of things that just kept me entertained. The Mandalorian was huge. You know, and, and, and they just, they hit it out of the park. The, the, the first season I thought was a home run, but man, it set up the world series this year and, and they didn't disappoint. Yeah. I feel like if you were, if you were set up to launch your streaming series on Netflix during 2020 already, you benefited like crazy because people were home. They'd be like, all right, let's check this out. You know, I wonder if something like the Queen's Gambit, you know, with a non-COVID year, it would have caught on like it did. And, you know, who knows? Yeah, documentaries documentaries hit big this year as well. Like, um, Mm -hmm. I think they had a, I mean, documentaries are hit or miss. Like some years they do well, some years they don't. It also depends upon the documentary. But I think this year, uh, documentaries kind of uh, overall did well. Like one I'm thinking of, and it did well just because, backstory to it and everything else is i'll be gone in the dark um about the golden state killer yeah um the book had come out a few years ago prior to the documentary and the book was written by pat oswald's wife that had passed away prior to it being finished so he championed getting that book finished and then the uh documentary came out and it was neat because the book she had she was obsessed with catching this guy and sorry hairball <laughs> beard's growing back um but uh the uh 
not long after the book had come out, he got caught um, using, you know, the DNA databases, Ancestry and 23andMe. Um, so it was kind of like her life's mission for him to get caught. Patton finished the book, then he got caught. And so it was kind of, um, you know, it, it was kind of neat to see that happen. And so they put the documentary out, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and it's a lot of recordings with her and about her developing the book and him getting caught and all. And it was like, it did super well. And it, it's actually been listed on a bunch of lists as one of the best TV shows of the year. And I happened to watch it a few weeks ago. And it, it is, I mean, it's done so well. Just And just to hear her voice, be able for her to be able to have her voice heard was kind of neat. So I mean, when you mentioned documentaries, I think of the social dilemma too, which kind of took off and had a huge moment this year. Yep. So I'm sorry, Tim. I, 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 I hope I didn't cut you off. I might have though. No, I, I okay. mean, 2020 was a year where a ton of nothing happened, but it was still rather productive. I mean, I, I've never had a year where 80% of my life was just politics being thrown at me all day, every day. And it's exhausting and it's ridiculous. And I, I do think that in the coming years, I think that this year with everyone being able to focus on a lot of that stuff that was happening, I, th I think that some things have been exposed and you're going to see some, some real changes that have to happen um, in, in the political arena. But yeah, agreed. You know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I, regardless of what happened in DC or wherever, my family stayed the same. So <laughs> we're good. I tell you, one of the things for me, you know, and so again, Tim, you're right. I mean, you know, you, you got to look at your own family first. But when I think of 2020, and and as Zach correctly called it, the dumpster fire, you know, you and you, and you start to see celebrities, you know, dying. And like Eddie Van Halen, in droves, right, right, and and Eddie Van Halen was, I mean, you know, Zach Zach might be a little on the younger side for for being a big Eddie Van Halen fan, but um, you know, there, there's no more iconic rock guitarist from you know people in their 40s than Eddie Van Halen, and that was a big deal. Chadwick Boseman came out of nowhere. I mean, so you you come to find out that he's he'd had cancer for some time and didn't tell most of everybody around him. And so just went through quietly and and was crazy sick. Um, and, and so it caught everybody off guard when he died. And, you know, and here somebody whose career arc was just going up, up, up. He'd been Black Panther, everything he'd been in. Um, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, he'd been, you know, all the things that he, he'd been, um, Robinson, you know, he, he like yeah. everything. And then all of a sudden just gone. And filmed Black Panther while going through chemo and right. radiation. And so he did all the physical activity, built all the muscle while going through something that normally takes that away. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's a guy who's just already an icon and a legend. I mean, death, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't want to say funny, that's the wrong word, but, you know, when people, you lose somebody like that, and then you look immediately at what parts he played and that he's going to be remembered for. I mean, I, it's, I mean, that Black Panther, the, the movie itself being a part of the MCU, it always kind of stood out on its own, I think, as well. And it's just an incredible, iconic performance. I think he's, he's always going to be remembered for that. I mean, and, yeah, a huge cultural moment that movie was for sure. 
you also had Kobe Bryant die this year. Yeah. You know? And Sean Connery. And Sean Connery. <laughs> and Alex Trebek. Connery dying was crushing because, I mean, if you, again, like he had a longer career than Chadwick Boseman, but look at all the pop culture stuff that he contributed to. I mean, Bond, um, that really weird science fiction movie where he was like in the uh, in his underwear the entire movie, um, Zardos or something like that. So, I mean, there was like, plus he was in Highlander. I mean, if you look at the Dragonheart, he did for science fiction dragon heart that's right he was the voice um but so like all of the different things that he kind of contributed to and yeah it was really weird that he died within a week of Alex he was Trebek. in one of the very first uh, attempts at a, a long-standing series for comic books in the league of extraordinary gentlemen yeah, yeah. that was supposed to be a the kickoff to a very broad universe and it was terrible it was bad <laughs> i liked it it strayed from the source material big time. You say pop culture, James Bond is a name that you, you know, around the world you say James Bond and, and everybody has an idea. And to me, there's never been a better Bond than Connery. Oh, I thought you were going to say Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to browse anyone. <laughs> Well, in like James Bond, like in pop culture, if you look at like some of the things it um, developed into, um, they're the positive things where they would come along and homage James Bond. But then there was the things where there were people that hated that kind of uh, visage of spy uh, movies and books and all. And, so they wrote their own um, version of it. Like Greg Rucka wrote, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember what the name of it is. Why does that happen to me? I want to say Queen and Country, um, which was based on him watching a TV show called The Sandbaggers. Um, it was a 70s spy show that really showed the down and gritty spy life. And in fact, in the first episode of The Sandbaggers, um, it was a BBC show. The guy says, if you want James Bond, go watch the movies. Um, or uh, John LeCar when he wrote um, his spy novels that became movies, you know, he, he was the exact same thing. He wanted to take that James Bond really kind of a charismatic spy and spin it into reality where you see, you know, his uh, biggest character is this little pudgy dude who wears glasses, who is completely unassuming, but yet he busts all the biggest enemies. So um, it, it's kind of neat when you look at some of the things that were contributed to in pop culture um, and then what they kind of olive branch off into, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's something that wants to be a derivative of what they did or something that wants to go in a complete opposite direction. So, yeah, I mean, and then when you look back at uh, Connery's, uh, just his portrayal of Bond, yeah, I don't think I can, I mean, I, I read once somebody said the reason why Sean Connery was so good at it as he had the face of a bastard he could be smiling at you and stabbing you under the table during dinner at the same time and you know that would just be at home on him like you know he could be your best buddy meanwhile he's taking you out and and i think daniel craig does a good job of that as well especially in casino royale but yeah um, i don't know why i got off on that tangent so i'll bring right back the mic well, and you, I mean, it's a year not lost on irony, too. Like, 
the year that the Mandalorian re- like takes off again and Boba Fett comes back into movies and Jeremy Bullock, the, the original Boba Fett actor dies, you know, like kind of odd. Um, you know, Gary's kind of Darth Vader actor died too. Right. Gary's kind of talking, it made me think about, you know, um, how different things open up for different people and stuff. And, you know, I think that this year, if we look forward to, he was just talking about legacies and we look at the future legacies of, what's going to intertwine and connect 10 years from now. I think that this year, because the movie theaters are basically shut down and, and we attach ourselves to entities like Netflix and Amazon and, and all of them, like we never have before. I think that you're going to see, there are a number of stories. Like you look at the Mandalorian, they had a number of different directors and maybe those people aren't quite ready, or maybe just it's not their thing to direct cinematically, you know, a, two and a half, three hour long movie. But as far as an episode and telling a story, they tell a really good story. You know, I, I think the Bryce Howard's episode of the Mandalorian and um, um, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, director of the debut. Did a phenomenal job. And man, I don't know what he would do with a, with a three hour block of movie window to direct for, but you're going to see a number of these people who can tell short stories concisely mm-hmm while doing character development and really attaching people to the, or getting people to attach themselves to the storyline, you're going to see the effect that's going to have on our entertainment culture 10 years down the road as these people start to really kind of hone their skill set. Yeah. I mean, there's been a whole TV revolution, which is amazing because there's so much quality TV. I mean, we were talking before, I mean, I can't keep up with it. I mean, it, you know, and you go back and it's been going on for a while. I mean, you know, obviously with HBO shows and the wire and the Sopranos and all the way through, you know, but it's just, there's so many quality TV shows and so many people who are able to write. I mean, I'm blown away by so many of these. I mean, Atlanta is a great show. Barry, I think is a great show. I mean, we'll talk about Cobra Kai at some point that, that, you know, that shows way better than it deserves to be. You know what I mean? And the writing is excellent. (laughs) I think. Well, it's funny how they take, like they've taken some of these shows have taken old ideas and kind of reinvented them. Like Cobra Kai is completely reinvented. Uh, I love seeing that these, they've got the same cast back. Um, and the folks that are attached to it and acting and have embraced it. Yeah. Start off, it's just kind of like a fun project. And now it's like, this is something. Yeah. I was joking with a friend of mine the other day that the the show is like, I thought it was like the whole, (laughs) the entire premise of the show is like the backstory the actors used in the first karate kid that wasn't on, on, in the script where they're like, okay, you gotta, you're feeling this scene. Like, what do you think? And they're like, well, I think my character was some of the household, you know, the stuff that they talked about on set to like get into character that wasn't in the script. And they're like, let's just make a TV show about it. And that's, here we are, you know? And there's vague hints over the last two, two or three decades about how, you know, Danny's really the bad guy. And Johnny's the good guy where Danny comes in and takes everything from him in just one school year. Right. Right. <laughs> I played out too. It was really cool. Well, yeah. and William, I think a big part of that, especially the first season, I mean, the, the cast is great all around. And of course we want to talk about this later. So I'll try not to go into depth, but you open that doorway. Um, uh, to me, like a big part of the, especially the first season and carrying in the second season is uh, William's Abka's acting that dude. I mean, he, he is so good. I, I, I'm like, why wasn't he in more like after the karate kid? Cause he, he acts so well and he like, he can be the biggest jerk, but you're still endeared to him while he's being the biggest jerk because he's one of those guys where 
he's being a jerk, but you can tell he has a heart of gold and wants to do right. And this is just how it's coming out. Of it's it's a really unique character portrayal. It really, again, we'll talk about this either on yeah. another episode or later in this one, but I mean, it, it's, <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I love watching. I enjoy the hell out of it. And prior, and- prior to Cobra Kai, there was no team Johnny. Like that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it'll be great that it opens up doors for him as an actor. I, I think it should. It really should. Yeah. yeah. Or as a, or as a writer or whatever, because he's so heavily involved. I yes. mean, the show was kind of like championed by him based on a music video that a few years ago somebody did that wanted to tell the story of Johnny. Um, yeah. And it was like, he, he's just, I mean, he's really good. And so I think the best part for me, especially with my sense of humor, is he's so politically incorrect on the show. But <laughs> yeah because of like his uh generation that they allow him to get away <laughs> yep no i'm a huge back to school fan too with the, the rodney dangerfield movie so i mean the, the, uh, that I'll, I'll always have a place for him there as well oh yeah what, what, what did we watch the internets what did we watch this year so so that's the so we've got you know movies and streaming let's just kind of put them together you know because it was kind of one thing really everything was streaming I saw a number of things that I certainly would have never seen in the theater. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have bought a ticket to, and it was on TV or I found it in Redbox. So I watched it. And there are a number of things where I watched and just kind of went, man, I don't know how I just sat through two hours of that, but I did. Zach, did you watch anything? I watched the new Mulan and it was atrocious. <laughs> it was absolutely atrocious. Um, I think I've watched a lot of movies this year. Um, How about Extraction with Chris Helmsworth? That was good. That was a good movie. And there's a sequel coming. That's awesome. Um, that was fun. I mean, you know, just go into it for an action movie that just, you know, that just throttles down and lets go. You yep. know? It was, it was intense. There was uh, one scene in there where um, it's that big chase scene where he's kind of getting run over by cars and, him and the the other guy are just going at it through all these um, buildings and stuff. That was all shot in one take. They had cameras positioned everywhere. And at the end, you see him just kind of like, <clears throat> like they're worn out. They really are that worn out. They've been going for 15 straight minutes and they're just worn out. And it was, it was great. I would, um, I want to see Fat Man. I haven't seen it yet with uh, Mel Gibson where he plays Santa Claus basically. I was starting to hear about that recently. Yeah, the trailer is pretty, pretty funny. I mean, it's basically an action movie with Santa. (laughs) I do remember seeing ads for it. I I saw, uh, I saw Enola Holmes, which was a take on on uh, Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. wasn't bad. Has a lot of promise if they if they go continue on in that direction. She's Uh, such a great actress. And then Millie Bobby Brown's got an incredible future. I think she's really yeah good. and henry cavill is uh holmes didn't yeah. hurt either i mean and and he didn't steal the show at all he played his part really well yeah a great it, supporting role yeah it was surprisingly really? really entertaining i really did i enjoyed that as well there was a great meme that went around that said um die a hero or live long enough to play sherlock holmes because you've had robert downey jr <laughs> benedict cumberbatch right and cavill have it all now played him that's uh, Holmes in recent times, though. That that TV show was incredible, Sherlock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I saw Bloodshot onward. Tenet, I watched. Have any of you guys watched that? 
I haven't yet, but I love Nolan films, so yeah, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I mean, I, I love everything he's done. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I can see what? how people would enjoy it. What movie? Tenet. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. I was talking to a friend this morning who really enjoyed it, but, but, but like you say, Tim, is a Nolan fan and knew that it was going to be a head trip. Yeah. Uh, I think with Nolan's films, like there are a lot of people that they're hit or miss with his films, like Memento. A lot of people didn't like, because it is a dark film, but it's really like, good. Is it Guy Pierce in that? Yeah. yeah. Or uh, The Prestige with uh, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. That's, um, that's, I mean, the, that's one of the all time great movies. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's going to be something that I like. I really like it. What, I was, you know, my favorite thing for him, I don't know what my problem is. I think it's because I haven't been feeling well lately, but um, I can't remember anything tonight. That or it's early Alzheimer's. I can't decide which one it is. <laughs> but um, what was this movie about dreams? Inception. Thank you. Yes, Inception. That is my favorite movie. It's right above me on the shelf, but I was too lazy. To I would it. say if you like Inception, you'll like Tenet. Cool. Uh, a lot of the same feel. Um, a lot of the same intense acting that's in Great. it. I, I think you'll like He has a thing where he he uses music a lot mm -hmm. to ramp up a scene and it's i'm watching it at home with my surround sound and i can't hear the actors because the music is like it's like that opening thing in the theater where they tell you about dolby surround sounds like whoa like well he'll he, he'll tell you he, he wrote it in an interview actually it's funny he brought that up he said he mixes he mixes it for to be heard in theaters yeah and if you watch it on a lesser you know if you're not watching on dolby surround sound in a movie theater you're not going to hear the actors and he doesn't care. He actually, I read it. There was actually, he said that in an interview. So that makes sense. I mean, he's, he's had a ton of hits. Yeah. I mean, well, well, think about the music for the of, series. Of, of, oh, that was too. It, it has that rumbling in that. What's that? What did yeah, you Mike. say, Gary? Which, which uh, series is that Gary or the, the dark Knight? Oh Three, yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, there was a lot of, um, and, the the noise that you're describing tim it also reminds me of the old thx sound thing where it's like um you know a really good surround sound system when you play that tx sound thing at the beginning of a dvd or movie all i can think of is really your thing. house where it's like yeah. i mean literally i've been in some houses that shake when that comes on yeah. the surround sound system did it not I've liked a lot of his stuff. Um, Tenet was, I'm not going to ruin it for you guys. I think a lot of you guys will like it. Um, but for me, I don't know, maybe it's because of COVID too. Like I'm really not plugged into stuff. I kind of, when I watch things at home, I walk out of the room and go do other things. Mm -hmm. I come back. Like this year I've gotten really bad about sitting down and just watching. Like there's always something going on. And, and so that becomes part of the thing too. Nolan and, uh, and other directors have come out to, to talk about this. And I, I think Ethan Hawke had a really compelling kind of, you know, short PSA that theaters are, you know, I can go back to Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, there's different, the, the in theater experience of being there with other people. There is, um, there's great audio from Endgame, right, where uh, that scene where the, where, uh, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir comes back to Captain America and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, just goes crazy. 
And, and if you're in the theater and you experience something like that, it's different than sitting on your couch. You know what I can't experience again, unless I see it in the theater, is that same movie about four minutes later where Captain America standing all by himself and all of a sudden everybody reappears yeah. and he actually says Avengers assemble. When you watch it at home, he says assemble so quietly, you've got to turn everything up. But in the theater, it was like that was a defining moment. Sure. Yeah. And we're missing that, right? Yeah. We're missing that. You know, does it, will anyone ever go watch, you know, a Woody Allen movie in a theater again or something, or any of the indie movies? I mean, is that necessary? And, and that, that's where I think that the issue is going to be, you know, it's going to be really hard, even comedies. You know, I mean, are you going to need to watch the Adam Sandler movie? I mean, I think he's betting on no because he's signed on with everything with Netflix. You know what I mean? And, and that's, I think the big cinematic Sandler, though. What's that? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I will. I will go see comedies and indies. Um, what was the um, Brian Cranston and um, Knock in the Middle? He was in Jumanji. The Rock. They did a movie where the guy's in the wheelchair. He's oh uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. I forget the name of the movie. That was an uh, indie. yeah. I know what you're talking about that. It, that was that was a good movie, and I would oh, go yeah. see that again. I have my wife and I our date nights, our dinner and a movie. You know, and I would do that every weekend of the month. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, as soon as COVID clears and the theaters open, if they do, I'm back in the theaters. That doesn't bother me at all. I'll find something to go watch. We still have our option to be able to go to a theater. Right. Well, no, I, I read an article this week. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike. Go ahead, Tim. You're good. I read an article this week that talked about how um, movie theaters are, you, you kind of get several articles talking about different sides of this and arguing different points, but movie theaters will make a comeback. Um, but it's kind of like what Mark was saying, like how many indie films are going to survive in a movie theater environment versus it's going to be a blockbuster push. You're going to, you know, these only companies who know that they're going to get a financial win are going to put movies in the theater. And I think it was headed that way anyway. And I, and I, and it might've already been that way anyway. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, did Parasite, for example, ever even come to East and, you know, one best picture, I'm not even sure it came here, If it did, maybe it was for a week or two, but um, you know, I hope, I hope they come back because I, it, it's a, it's a, just something we need in, in the culture to have. I mean, I don't want to see a world where everyone's just watching everything on streaming channels. Right. Right. And I think maybe this is, this is cinema's moment, you know, Mark, you work in the music industry. When you go from CD to to streaming, you know, and 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 music is delivered a different way now. The album being released isn't quite the same, and so maybe this is the cinema moment. Okay, what do we do to add value to people's experience to come in to see it at the theater? You know, I I, I don't know the answer, but you know, I haven't really thought about that. That's a good comparison of when. When Napster and all these iTunes and stuff came out and they kind of changed the way music was purchased and listened to, that's got to be a very similar thing to what the cinematic world is going through right now. Definitely. And, and I, you know, I, I think, I mean, we, the one movie that we all probably watched in the theater that felt like going to a concert was Endgame, which you already mentioned, Tim. I mean, just that, I mean, you can't, uh, you'll never, I don't know that you'll, I mean, Indiana Jones, Mike, you mentioned that. I, I think when I saw that in the theater when I was a kid, probably the same type of thing where people were cheering and clap, you know, and going crazy and there's others, you know what I mean? But it, when it's not on that level, 
you know, yeah. I think movies got to aspire probably more to kind of communal watching than ever before, which is going to lend itself to the blockbusters and comedies too. Um, but I think it was already headed in that direction to begin with. And, you know, the streaming is going to take up a chunk of that for sure. You know, just don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> so we are talking about that, right? Films and such. Did anybody see uh, Downhill? No. Anybody She's trying to speak up. I, I, say that again, Gary. Uh, did I? No, it wasn't important. Go ahead. It was. Um, I think it's. Well, I feel like Matt Damon was in it. I can't remember who was in it, but it's it's about a guy who wanted to be a downhill ski jumper. And about a, he he found a coach to coach him, and he just wiping out horribly. I mean, wiping something out from a ski launch. What's that? It, the guy's name was something that you like bury the eagle or something like that. Am I talking about the same movie? Uh, maybe Downhill not. has Will Ferrell in it. So I'm thinking of a totally different movie then. But it's what you're talking about. It's about a guy wanting to be that had eagle in it. You're right, man. I'm glad this is live. <laughs> just one more for the looper reel sorry how about uh back on the comic world new mutants really good surprisingly good go ahead mike oh no that you know um you know in terms of comic movie releases birds of prey came out in 2020 new mutants came out in 2020 um uh old guard which was a that was a good novel uh, that came into Netflix with Charlize, Charlize Theron, which I, was really good. I agree with yeah. you. I didn't know what to expect out of that because I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, and it was, was it a Netflix or a, a Netflix Amazon drop? Netflix. Netflix. It was good. It was really good. Greg Rucka, uh, who I right, talked about earlier, wrote the graphic novel. And, he, and he's written Wonder Woman. They've pulled stuff in the movies from his Wonder Woman runs. Um, I mean, just an incredible writer. I wouldn't be surprised to see more of his stuff come. He's writing one called Lazarus right now that I've been keeping up with the past few years. It's dropped to a quarterly release rate, thank goodness. But it, it's it's really heavy, really good stuff. And just, I mean, he like reinvents himself every few years coming out with something just incredible. I just want to see him like he's done DC. He's done independent. I would love to see him pick up a Marvel book and start writing it. What about uh, Umbrella Academy? That was a comic release. Yeah, that was season two this year. Yeah. I've had a lot of fun with that. It's been it's been entertaining. Yeah, Gerard Way, um, musician. So he he kind of crosses our subjects here. He um, you know he he writes Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, he was writing doom patrol that just ended in 2020 for dc which is kind of funny because if you think about grant morrison's doom patrol and then you look at the umbrella academy it's like wow they're like cousins somewhere just right. uh so having him write doom patrol was brilliant i i have um, i feel, like we, can't be at, I feel like we can't be at the end of 2020 and talking about superhero movies and not at least mention the fact that wonder woman 1984 just released both on HBO Max and in the in the theaters, um, and and not everybody on here has seen it. Um, you know, I, my my comment on it was, without any kind of spoiler, is just that my expectation for DC movies are so low, and I don't want to you know pull the bandaid off for Zach. You know, I know he's still getting over bad DC movies. Um, well, don't worry. If I'm more in the future, <laughs> in the future, Zach, don't worry. 
if, if I'm mildly entertained, then I'm happy, you know, again, I didn't have to pay to go to the theater to see it. And so maybe that would have something to do with it, but I was mildly entertained. It wasn't a great movie, but I enjoyed it. Um, it's also possible more people are liked it if they saw it in the theater. You know, I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it's a movie like that. The, the experience is so different. Um, right. Person. I mean, I, I have not seen it. I'm bummed because of the reviews. I'm, I'm still going to see it. I really want to like it. I really like Patty Jenkins. I really like Gal Gadot in that part. I, I, I love the character. I'm a big DC fan. And I just have a terrible feeling that it's not a very good movie because the people that I hear. And I I like the DC movies better than most people. I mean, we like Man of Steel, right? And we like Justice League. And I even like Batman versus Superman. But I just have a feeling, based on what I'm seeing, that the bottom kind of falls out on this one. And I like like each of them as a standalone Justice League episode. You know, it's I'm entertained. Um, The actors, I mean, there are some powerful actors involved in these movies that do really good work and they portray the characters well. It's just, they haven't done a good job of creating the large expanded universe that Marvel has. No, right. Haven't. And I agree with you. I think one by one on their own, they're, they're all, you know, Aquaman was a decent movie. Shazam I thought was great. You know I mean? I just don't know that they can tie them together. What was the, uh, the Will Smith one? DC. Suicide Squad, first Suicide one. Squad. I, as a movie on its own, I thought it was yeah. decent, and mm-hmm. I thought it paved. It was going to pave the way for something more interesting in another, you know, another episode. Well, and James Gunn's reboot of it. I'm that may be the DC movie I'm most looking forward to. You know, I, I'm really excited for that. His soundtracks. I always look for like his soundtracks now. Yeah. Uh, for Christmas, I got um, both the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, soundtracks on vinyl. Which are so gold. We're excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited about those. So I can't wait to see his soundtrack for that and um, the, the next Guardians. But yeah, I'm excited about that. I, 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 I agree, Tim. I liked the first Suicide Squad. I thought it was done well. I didn't hate Jared Leto as the Joker like most of the world did. It was just a new take. And I think, well, I think coming after Heath Ledger, that was... It was hard, but it was it was good. Yeah, yeah, I'll say about the DC movies is that the acting I never had a problem with. I felt that in general the actors were good actors and that they played their parts well. It was always just the story was terrible or just disjointed. Yeah, well, if you look at the Batman actors with, with Ben Affleck in particular, I feel like he's one step away from playing Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. i mean you really feel I like that story is right on the edge of cultivating and creating and they just won't pull the trigger on making those steps obvious to what they're doing and, well, and dc does a weird thing where they you know marvel pulls so much from the comic books and the good and the good storylines and dc just doesn't i mean i you know it, it's just they don't there's so many, how many great Batman stories are there? Right. They just take oh tiny God. bits and pieces of things and they throw it into a blender and they hope that it matches yeah, together look at, and it look doesn't. The success they had with Nolan's version of Batman. Yeah, yeah, and and that was and, you know that was based on some of the comic books to some degree. You know, what I mean, and yeah. at least the tone of it. But I mean, I, you know, you take, I mean, in, in the last three years, there's been better takes on Batman and Superman in the comic books than what they've put on the screen. You know, what I mean, and, and I just don't understand 
you know, why they, they refuse to pull from those stories. Cause I, I, there's so many good ones. I mean, I mean, even the Aquaman ones, even the Shazam ones. I mean, I, there's just, there's so many great stories. In I feel each like they're on the edge of, it. I mean, they, it's like they've decided Batman is the Tony Stark of this cinematic world. Like you can build an entire landscape around Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and around Batman and you can yep. introduce other characters. They just, they totally dropped the ball on character development with the justice league. Um, and like I say, all those movies on their own, I enjoyed. I'm not going to trash them horribly. I agree. So, so let's move over to comic books a little bit. Um, you know, in, in any th- things that you read this year that, you know, so, you know, thinking through the big two, we've had, um, you know, X of Swords for the X-Men. We've had uh, Empire, we've had, uh, we've just started King of Black and Marvel. We've had death metal going on in DC. Um, you know, anything that, um, that you guys are reading and, and really loving. You, you mentioned Ten of, Ten of Swords. That was, that, that was, I was losing interest in uh, Dawn of X. I really was, um, you know, it was kind of dragging out for me and they, they freely admit that too. And part of it was the pandemic and the gap um, and Ten of Swords brought me right back in, especially with Al Ewing's new book. Um, you know, it was incredible, which Al Ewing also his, uh, his Hulk book in 2020 is just engrossing. absolutely engrossing. Um, and also if I have to keep plugging Marvel, I keep will, um, this is kind of crosses all the boundaries too, that we've talked about tonight. Chip Zdarsky's daredevil. Yeah. And Mike got me into that and it has just been absolutely, I commented on Twitter and he liked it. So this is approved by him, by the way, <laughs> but no, um, he, uh, He's taken everything about Daredevil that I love that in some settings have been tread over and stomped and kicked as a dead horse. And he has made them all fresh and new again in this new series. And mm-hmm. it, it has just been great. Um, and, you know, I guess we haven't been doing spoilers tonight, so I won't say anything, but the new direction the series has just taken within the past few issues has been just phenomenal. And, then you hear that Charlie Cox is going to be in the third Spider-Man movie as Matt Murdock. So, and we are, we're all pretty much on here, huge fans of the Daredevil Netflix series. So just hearing that is just awesome. And that kind of crosses that whole bring on the next year's worth of films, please. Yeah. But um, no, Ten, Ten of Swords, uh, going back to that, just kind of reopened the X-Men world and brought some new stuff into it that I think, um, I'm pretty excited about. And it, it definitely brought fantasy and sci-fi into the X-Men in new ways, you know. And it's, unexpected ways. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And what I liked about it is, um, and Mike and I have talked about this before, is the one trope that's getting really tired in the X-Men movies is the indestructible Wolverine comes in and saves the day. And that's how, like, Tennis Sword, Tennis Swords started. You're like, oh, man, this is going to be another stupid Wolverine story. And then, like about halfway through, he is just the biggest screw up of the entire story, and um, it, you know, it falls on some of the lesser characters to kind of pick it up. So it was kind of like they, I think they defied expectations. Yeah, this. I think that they did a good job in X of Swords of highlighting characters I really would have never cared about. I mean, I, I, there are some people like I've always liked 
and had like a, an interest in cable. But this new cable they're giving us, this young cable, and yeah. watching him as Cyclops' son, and he's really kind of coming into his own, and he's not only becoming uh, a mutant warrior, he's kind of becoming a leader too. It's, it's character development, and it's fun to watch. I've enjoyed that. And I will say on the flip side of that, I've always loved the character of Beast. And he's kind of a douchebag when it comes to the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the X run right now. He's not a nice guy, you know? Yeah, I was you, my wife's favorite word now is douche canoe. So, yeah, I think that's <laughs> described him completely. Uh, is that from Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where she got it from. But it's... um, it's, it's uh, a. <laughs> skadoosh um, but the um yeah i mean beast is really kind of like you're like whoa is he the villain of this one yeah but um no it was um it was absolutely like i said it was just different and really good brooks what are what are some of the comics that you've really liked this year um I like Three Jokers. I haven't really been reading a lot of the events. Yeah. But I I like to be all caught up on stuff, and I I've read. Um, what was it? Um, Did you mention Empire earlier? Yeah, I haven't read that though. Okay. Um, I was just mentioning that that was an event. I read House of X, and I still didn't really know, like any of what was going on before that so i don't know if it's because of that or maybe because of some event before that but i just like to be all caught up before events like on the new series as much as i can if it's like if it's like a, an event that um is about like a certain group of characters like um king and black is about like venom and right. So, and I probably want to read that since I'm not caught up on Venom. We we like Three Jokers. We, of course, we talked about that a couple of series back. I mean, one I really liked in the independent lane that I'm really into right now is, is uh, Scumbag by Rick Remender. I think that's, I don't know if you guys are reading that. It's awesome. I, it's on my list to, to catch up with. I think it's hilarious. I mean, the premise is the worst person on earth is the person that needs to save the earth and then again no spoilers but it's i could see that becoming a you know a tv show at some point for sure it's really great i mean there's so many things i mean i haven't caught up on department of truth i just feel like it was such a great year for the independent uh comics i mean i haven't even really caught up on strange adventure or rorschach or any king stuff right. yet Dude, there's so many killing the children by yeah team. that's another one that's a great one and i'm not um remender is one of my absolute favorite writers i mean i'm I'm still catching up on his low, um, you know, his seven to eternity is great. Um, but that that's a great point. I mean, Mark, I'm, for me, once in future, Kieran Gillen's um, kind of King Arthur spin um, has been phenomenal. Um, there seven was a, secrets. I mean, there's there a standalone book called Pulp that yeah. uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips put out, which is great. And, and that too, that, if there's ever a team that that probably most comic book because they don't write Marvel and DC, but Brubaker and Phillips, I mean, they've been doing crime noir stuff for you know a they long did. time now and putting it out as best 
the best comics that people put out. So they did do that Gotham Th- Central series, which was really awesome. Really um, good, and probably the basis for the TV show coming up. Yeah, and um, they also did a Wildstorm series. Um, it was good anyway. Uh, I don't think sleeper. comics, other than maybe Ed Piscor. I don't know. I don't know if I pronounce his name right. I don't, I don't know if comics ever look cooler than when Brubaker. Yeah, their their comics just look. I mean, they're just awesome. I mean, the way they look. Yeah awesome so brooks i want to go back to um x-men you only have 60 years worth of uh books to catch up on so yeah. you, you can do it but, um, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to give them the the guy where, where to start uh, <laughs> no i mean i if you know it, it came out in the um it came out in the 80s but if you could ever track them down it was called the index of the x-men and it was almost like the little Marvel saga versions and it would just give you synopsis of each issue. And then you could kind of like, or they had the um, essential versions that were all in black and white. Yeah. They were fun. They were fun reads. Um, but um, you were talking X about- is one of your favorite. That's one of your favorite all time books. I think from there, I think we, we could probably scale back. We could probably go back from there and trace back. Yeah. I think um, you guys were talking about three jokers earlier and um, it just made me think uh, Dennis O'Neill died this past year. And um, you want to talk about a guy that was like uh, synonymous with Batman for the longest time. And and he wrote daredevil and other stories, um, but always when I'm talking, Um, but the, uh, so, but you know, he was the guy who he wrote death in the family and it was his idea to have the call in um when he wasn't writing batman he was the group editor on the batman books um you know just a big huge influence on batman um you know he his spin on batman started turning the uh when it started turning darker again from when he first came to the book from all the uh 60s campy stuff and just heavily involved so when he died i was kind of like man because a lot of people wouldn't know but he was like a legend in the comics field and um i mean the new yorker did an article on him so it was kind of neat to see that he was getting some recognition it's just a shame that it has to be after they die that suddenly people are like oh wow that guy was great he did that it's always the way it is and then it's terrible yeah but it was just like um no i was really sad to see Cause I still think that, you know, guys like that, they always have plenty of good stories left in there that we haven't been able to touch yet. And you wonder Gary, like somebody like O'Neill, um, today's writers, we have access to whether it's social media or, or conventions when they start again, or, um, you know, we, and, and comic book writers are now getting props that they deserve when movies are coming out. You know, and so I feel like we know who we know comic book writers now in a way that that pop culture wasn't paying attention to, with the exception of maybe Frank Miller and and Stan Lee in retrospect, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are, are, are and Kirby, that's been a cool thing to watch him really his his status start to come up as it should have, uh, as a lot of his projects are starting to come to, you know, to be made into movies. Yeah, I mean they're they're I mean they're borderline. They're getting close to being like rock stars. I mean it, it's you right. know I mean we, you know when we go to the I know a bunch of you guys always go to the Third Eye signings. I mean that's a, I mean the first time we Brooks and I went to see Scott Snyder at Third Eye, 
the line was wrapped around the, we never got to him. I mean, we, we got there, we got there at nine o'clock and we stayed till one o'clock and we left. I mean, cause it was just freezing and they, we were outside the whole time. I mean, there, there had to be four or 500 people there, which I mean, it's a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, being in the concert industry, that's a, that's a long line. I mean, that, that's a lot of people. Right, right before COVID hit, a bunch of us were signed up to go to the Jonathan Hickman, Scotty Young, um, you know, kind of round table to just talk about, and was like, I couldn't wait. I, it looked, yeah. I was so pumped for it. And Ennis, I mean, he was coming. There, there was a lot of really cool stuff coming up there and they were rattling them off about once a month. And it was really, really pretty great. But yeah, I went like, it would have been awesome to meet him and been able to talk to him. Um, I got to talk to uh, Christopher Priest at a convention once and just the ideas that he was spitting out um, were pretty neat. Or Larry Hama, the writer of GI Joe, and he wrote Wolverine for a while. But when you like, when you think of some of the stories you read today, um, it's like, wow, man, that's really timely. But then you look back at um, like Dennis O'Neill's, uh, Denny O'Neill's Green Arrow, Green Lantern run. Um, you know, you hear the term hard traveling heroes. And at the time it was like Green Lantern, it was just basically the biggest part of the story was Green Lantern, this cosmic space cop and Green Arrow, this very rich Batman-like archer getting a pickup truck and drive across the country with one of the guardians of the universe. So, right. and you know, so the, it's very ground level, you know, they run into crimes and stuff like that. And it was one of the first betrayals of heroin addiction in comics. Um, at the very end uh, is when Green Arrow discovers that Speedy is hooked on heroin and it's this huge storyline. And, um, you know, that was kind of like, this was like right after the time period where it was more of the Batman was like, bam, bang, then, 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 you know, so, and then you have stories like this that are gritty and realistic and you see characters that you look up to experiencing this and it's like, man, so that's where it kind of started. He was one of the pioneers of that. So just kind of a, you know, big loss to the comic world yeah. and, and just and just like you said like some of the guys you just want to pick their brain and talk to them like we got to meet ben percy and um yeah, i had take what's that missing hickman might not be a bad thing because now we've seen how x of swords developed <laughs> i mean my goodness i have so many more questions now and i have i i'm looking so much more forward to what the next big event is going to be as they, they kind of branch out and come back I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I would love to sit in front of him at any point in time and, and pick his brain and, and hear what other more astute comic people have, have to ask, you know, like Gary, you know, you, you're more in tune and, and more cerebral with a lot of the stuff than I am. And, and I wouldn't you mind. Say being, I'm a nerd. That's fine. I wouldn't mind being in the room as, as those kinds of people just kind of pick the brain of someone like that. Yeah, I, I what what I hate what I the only thing I will probably bother me is you know there's going to be some schmuck in the audience um, that'll ask try to ask spoiler questions and the, the, these yeah. guys are always like no spoiler questions right but there's always somebody but yeah it's just I mean we got to talk to Ben Percy and I think my favorite part of that was not even talking about Wolverine which is what we were there for the signing for but. I read his book, The uh, the Wilding, and it was really kind of uh, such a cool book. And I got to discuss that with him. So, yeah, it, it is kind of um, 
talking to the people behind the scenes, I think has become more enjoyable to me sometimes than actually reading the story. Yeah. Gary, did you see that Larry Hama is the next writer for Iron Fist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about the guy who gave Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow their whole, whole backstory of being yeah. like blood brothers and all that is now taking over a martial arts comic again. And I was just like, oh, yes. That could be cool. Yeah, he, he's um he also has an action figure coming out, a G.I. Joe size action figure from this independent nice. company that I was like, that'd be neat on my wall. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited that he's getting into uh, writing stuff like that again, because he's been writing. He IDW had him continuing his G.I. Joe stories uh, right from where he left off with issue 197 way back when, when it got canceled by Marvel and he picked it right up and it's been it's it's been good i've liked it i mean some of it like i, I always preferred his original snake eyes origin story um and such but yeah I, I, it was kind of neat seeing him coming back to stuff like that so we'll have to do uh a, a whole different show on music of 2020 and into 21 um i think we've been going for you know about an hour now and, and i thought so why don't we wrap up with saying okay 2020 is coming to an end. What's the thing in 2021 that you're most looking forward to? You know, if you know, open your open yourself to whatever pop culture. You know, maybe it's you know being back in a movie theater. Maybe it's um, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and start since I'm still talking. Um, I mean, the return of the MCU is is the biggest thing for me, both in both on Disney Plus and hopefully in the theaters. You know. Brooks said, I think um, it could have been we, before we started, there was, it was good timing. It had come after Endgame, before Black Widow. So a pause in the story is not the worst thing in the world now, but now I'm ready. Like, all right, give me, like, roll it out. Give me, give me something to go with now. Get me excited again for this year because um, that's been missing. So I, I can't wait for that. Um, how about you, Zach? 2021? Um. I think uh, I'm looking forward to them expanding the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. So I'm not sure how much of that 10 or 11 things they came out with is going to be in 2021. I think I know one or maybe two is plus Mandalorian's next season. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. That's going to be cool. That and that, that should probably be a whole episode in unto itself, you know, what that means for the expanded Star Wars universe. That'd be cool. Team Mangold? You you were, I mean, I think MCU is one that he's excited about, right? I mean, that that's definitely the biggest thing. Um, that, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but I'll go ahead and drop Stranger Things. The return of that in December, just one of my favorite shows of all time. So well done. Every every season, <clears throat> minus the one episode in season two, has just been perfect. And I'm really excited. I mean, it's been almost a couple, a couple of years now. I think that's coming out in December next year, but I'm really, really wound up. I think you're excited for that, too. But, of course, the MCU. I mean, just it, it's time. You know, it's really – I mean, we're not far away, right? We're a couple of weeks away from WandaVision. Yeah. So it, that's going to be really exciting to have that back. Maybe Yoda's going to rock the uh, Stranger <laughs> Things cap there, too. <laughs> How about you, Tim? 
Man, Mark stole it from me. Stranger Things. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to wait till December for it. So I'll start off January 1 with Cobra Kai. And I'll finish, with Strange, I'll finish with Stranger Things. And in between, we'll find out what's going on with Fett and Ahsoka and the Rangers uh, show. I'm, I'm very interested in learning the news of what else is in development. Because there's a Tron series out there that Jared Leto is attached to. There's a Spawn series out there that's supposed to be um, being developed in rather quickly. Um, you've got some news on the um, on the blades on the Blade movie that should be coming out pretty soon. I mean, I'm just kind of looking forward to. Marvel's always done a good job of ramping up the news as we get closer and closer and closer to these things, you know, coming to fruition and we've kind of been dormant and silent for a while. I know they dropped a big announcement, you know, a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. with 10 Marvel and 10 uh, star Wars and 10, you know, Pixar type live action mix, but I'm looking forward to like the news and the buildup for what we're going to really see, because, you know, there's a lot of things out there. I'm really looking forward to Dune. Yes. Yeah. There you go. What yes. going to end here with Dune. That was a December release. And it looks phenomenal. And I think they said they're, are they doing an HBO release? Did they talk about that? Uh, yeah. Cause that yeah, was the, the movie that, that director That's got pissed over. Well, he's not wrong. Mark is absolutely right. There are certain movies that had to be seen in the yeah. theater and that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, but that's my list. And yeah, I mean, the details are going to be interesting. I mean, the Fantastic Four will finally get the casting of that this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we get the X, the final verdict on the X-Men and Daredevil. And like you said, all that news should come out this year too. They yeah. should cast Chris Evans as uh, the Human Torch. Yeah. Just to go back. Again, give him a chance at redemption. But they could with the multiverse stories coming up. I mean, he could play multiple roles. It could be great. And, and every time he runs into one of the Avengers, they'll go, you look familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me they haven't thought about it. Skirka? I'm looking forward in 2021 finding Jeff Sanders and have him appear on one of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> what about the elus elusive um and extinct and endangered Dio? Yeah. The uh the uh Dio the uh Owens Americanus. He goes by Daniel. species turned over a new leaf. Yeah, he he's legit. He's bigger than you. You better stop. The um, <laughs> I um, I'm actually kind of everything else that's been discussed. I'm of course looking forward to, um, and I forgot to mention a TV show from 2020 is really good that we'll probably have to do another whole episode on. Um, Lovecraft Country, Country. Um, look into that if you haven't watched it, but um. I'm kind of looking forward to the Snyder cut. I've said it multiple episodes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, cause I mean, Justice League, the movie, it, I didn't hate it, but I, I wasn't like, whew, that was good. Um, I, I'm kind of interested to see what he does and the fact that it's going to be episodic now on HBO Max, as opposed to one straight movie is going to be different episodes. I had not heard that. I'm thinking that they could do a, something different and then you might see like a new face of that version of the dc movie un cinematic universe that could continue so um i mean you know they've already signed on ben affleck to be batman elsewhere you know flashpoints come in eventually um they already kind of tied that version of the dc cement cinematic universe into the tv shows going on right now with crisis on infinite earth last year where ezra miller's flash appeared on the flash tv series 
and they stood face to face. So I'm just interested to see where they go with that. Um, Cause Zack Snyder had a vision. They're letting him come back and finish it. So that, and of course, MCU, Star Wars, everything else that's been talked about. Um, yeah. I mean, I have comics. I'm curious to see like, you know, where some of the series that we've already discussed are going. I want to see the sequel to three jokers. I, I'm actually kind of getting interested in what the DC comics is doing. Um, it's, I mean, of course it was bad news this week to hear that creators got fired with no notification until they saw like the, um, the solicitations come out. I was like, Oh, my book's not there. Um, but they, it seems interesting with this whole concept that every iteration of the DC universe that came before now matters and they remember all of it. So I don't know. I think DC could have a potential regrowth year, but we'll have to see. They're still not competing with Marvel, but. <laughs> not the box office yet anyway, but. Not no, hard to I, you have to point out on my screen every once in a while, Jeff and Jeff, Zach and baby Yoda have the same exact expression. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, it. <laughs> That's freaking me out how how real that thing looks. <laughs> Back for a minute there, Zach. I thought you were up there with the mangles. No, <laughs> Zach is the actor who plays Baby Yoda. You know, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Mike. Your turn. No, I started. A, I, I fired the first shot with the MCU. That's the thing that. Um, but Tim reminded me, um, Dune. I, I really can't wait for Dune. That you know, I don't, I don't even remember the exact date where that's coming out now. But I know it's supposed to be this year, and that's one that that I will. I hope theater is is back and and um, ready to go because that's definitely where I'd want to see Dune. That'd be a great movie to open up the theater season with. Yeah, to kind of bring everybody back into the theater because it'll be a blockbuster. All right, gang. Well, that thanks everybody for for watching and listening. And uh, yeah, in twenty twenty one, maybe we will see the return of uh, Sanders and and Dio. I think for Dio, we'll probably have to read Ascender because he's probably still descending from the last episode that he was on. Um, we just have to have him come back up. Uh, yeah, and and uh, so you'll hear plenty more from from Pulp Revelators in twenty twenty one. Um, we're scheduled to start with a book club review of Tom King's uh, The Vision uh, just prior to WandaVision coming out. So stay tuned. And we are out. Bye, everybody.